Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach, California. Whether you are listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. Love. I love worshiping. Not astonishing to those of you who know what I do here. My name's Kyle. I'm the worship pastor. But I love what it does to... um, to our hearts, to our perspective, right? To start a day remembering who God is, singing this, these truths out of God's word, proclaiming that he's holy, that he's righteous, that he's good, that he's faithful, and then taking that down um, into our own lives and going, what does that look like for me today? And I believe that God's going to do exactly what Ethan just prayed, that um, he knows our stories, he knows our journeys, he wants to speak to each one of us today right where we're at, without condemnation, without judgment, but with love and with kindness. And so... I'm honored to be here with you. Some of you are going, where's Kevin? Kevin is away with our elders and with Kenton this weekend. And they get away at the beginning of every year and they choose a church verse and they pray and they look and see what God is saying to us as a church family. And so he is there. And so he said, hey, Kyle, would you come and be with the Huntington Beach community? And I said, yes, I would love to. So I'm honored to be here with you guys. Um, Yeah, well, thanks. We'll see what that looks like in about 40 minutes, right? Um, but we're, for now, it's all good. Uh, I'm excited. Lo, thanks for the update on Huntington Beach. And I get to track this with Lo a lot. And we're praying uh, about a space. We're praying about a worship pastor for you guys. And there's lots of people that we've been talking to that want to come and invest in you guys as a community and in Huntington Beach as a city. And so we're praying a lot about that. I'm excited to see what God is doing slowly but surely opening the doors. And I believe the message today is critical for the journey Because it's all going to be about how do we interact and engage with each other and how do we interact and engage with the world around us. And as we get ready to launch out into that community, this is going to be a critical part of the story. Um, We're continuing in the series called One, right? One story, Jesus' life and all of his teachings in Matthew. And we're coming out of a place where he was talking to us personally. He was talking about wealth. He was talking about what do we worship. He was looking at our treasure. He was looking at what do we worry about. And now he sort of switches gears, and he goes to this place of how do we deal with each other in relationships, specifically the area of judgment. Doesn't that sound exciting? Yeah, right. What does that look like? And we all know what it looks like because it comes really naturally to all of us. It does. We walk through world, we walk through a society where judgment is just part of the fabric, and it gets woven into our lives in ways that we don't even see. Right? We can walk through and it's like if you're having dinner and all of a sudden the service isn't going quite right, you start judging the server. I can't believe this. They're horrible. What's happening? Talk, give me the manager. This is the worst place I've ever been. You know, you're standing in line to check out and you start looking at magazine covers and all these people's lives that are public or at least what we think are happening and you're going, I can't believe they do that. Look at that. You start watching award shows and the Academy Awards are coming up, you know, and everybody, I'd hate to be there because all they do is walk the red carpet and judge what they're wearing, how they look, what the hairstyles are, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and then their speeches, whatever they say or whatever they don't say, you know, who deserved to get it and who didn't. It's just, it's all part of us. I know what's going to happen. You guys are going to walk out of here. You're going to get in your car to go home. And the first question you're going to ask, you're going to turn and say, what did you think of the message? It's true. You're going to do it. And I know it's true. What do you, I can't believe what he was wearing today. You know, whatever. Just, we all know that that's what happens. It's part of our culture. It's built into us. There's systems of evaluation from the time we're kids, right? We're graded. We're, we have to drive the right cars. We have to live in the right neighborhoods. We need to have the right jobs. We have to have the right income. How is your spouse? Are you even married? 
becomes something where we get judged. What's wrong with that person, right? Well, look at our kids. Look at my kids. Behavior. He must be the worst parent in the world. Some days that's totally true. (laughs) But at the core of this, this is a big deal, right? Because sometimes judgment, um, often it hurts, but sometimes it's completely appropriate. And that's what Jesus is inviting us into. He's sort of saying, hey, we're going to look at this because this is part of the fabric. It goes to our core issue of identity. And who are we, really? Are we going to compare ourselves consistently and compare others consistently against the world systems of judgment? Or are we going to look at the context of the gospel? And are we going to look at who Jesus is and how he went through life and how he dealt with other people and even how he dealt with us? So if you want, you can turn um, to Matthew 7. We're going to look at the first six verses. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Passage to instruct how Jesus created some boundaries for us on living as followers of him in this world. Let's just read through these together. Do not judge others, you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Now, some of you are thinking right there, Jesus is crazy. What happened in that last verse? Like, we're all talking about specks and logs. I got that. And then it's pearls and pigs. It will make sense when we get to the end. Trust me. Let's just walk through this and see what he says. Verse 1. It's interesting because you read it. Don't judge others and you will not be judged. Two extremes, right? Some of us are thinking, awesome. I will never judge anyone ever. I will constantly extend grace and then I will never be judged. Not true. Not true. One extreme. The other extreme. I am going to live the most perfect life ever. I am going to earn the right to judge everyone and everything because my life will be the standard by which all other lives should be lived. Also not true. Okay? That is not what Jesus is saying. External judgment, eternal judgment, is God's alone. We know that in the context of God's word, right? He's constantly reminding us, I created you. I created the system and the process of salvation to redeem and to reconcile you. I love you. Eternal judgment is God's alone. We are never, ever allowed to condemn somebody to an eternal judgment. That's not what he's saying. And we don't escape that in our own life either. So what is he saying? He's not talking about judgment. He's talking about discernment. He's, saying, he's not saying it's wrong to discern and declare some things wrong. We all know that that's true in life. There's just some things that are hideous. There's some things that are unhealthy and broken about the world we live in. And we know that's true. So the answer isn't no judgment or no discernment, but it's correct judgment and discernment. What does that look like? And that's what Jesus goes on to describe. The process of correct judgment and discernment as we move through life as followers of his. Verse 2. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Very simply, we determine the standard of judgment. Some passages, some translations use the word measure. 
In the Old Testament, they would have understood this very clearly, okay? Because you remember they used to buy things, grain and all that. The, the determining factor in buying grain, the size, the weight, the limitations, all that was determined by the buyer. So whatever scoop you brought, whatever bag you brought, however you decided to measure it, that's how it was measured. You brought a little scoop, then that's how they used it. If you brought a big one, they said, great, we can do that. And Jesus is saying here, judgment is the same thing. You will be judged how you judge. And it's a consistent biblical principle, not just in judgment. It's consistent in terms of really healthy things. Remember the Beatitudes? We walked through those a little bit. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive... Right, the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we... Right, that means the, the measure of mercy is what we'll return. The measure of forgiveness is how we are forgiven. The measure of judgment is how we are judged. It's totally con- amazing, I know. The Bible's consistent. It's fantastic. And so what he's saying here, judge others how you want to be judged. Look at their lives. Look at sin. Look at these things the way you want to be judged. So what do we want? I think all of us want to be given grace. I think we want to be extended grace. I think we're open to sharpening. But I think when you lead with that, it's a really difficult thing in life. I think we want to get let off the hook. Quite honestly, I think we want to escape a lot. I think we want to just not be found out for some of the things we've done in our life. And if we're found out, what do we want? We want mercy. We want grace. This shows up in our life everywhere. shows up, if you're married, it shows up in your marriage all the time. You know this. I know this. What do I want from my spouse? I want to be given space. I want to be given grace. Holiday, my wife, is fantastic. She'll give me these lists of things that need to be done, right? I'd really like in the next week, can you hang these pictures and can you... I'm not a huge fan of putting away clean clothes, and so they'll just sit in piles. Can you put away your clean clothes, you know? And they'll sit, and they'll go, and it's like, oh, man, I'm exhausted. Like, I go through these busy seasons. I just want to go home, and I want to crash. I want to be with our kids. I want to talk to her, and by the time we're all done with that, it's 10 o'clock, and then I just want to sleep. And so I feel like she just starts picking and nagging at me, and it's completely reasonable. It's not like she gave me time, but I just want grace. And you know what? Instead of just saying, honey, can we talk about this? Like, can you just give me some grace or even just doing it? You know what I do? I do what every good person would do. I just pick right back at her. And so there's all kinds of little things in the life. She likes to leave all the lights on in the house, even in broad daylight. I don't know why. It makes her feel warm and the house feel cozy. And so I'll walk around behind her and literally just turn lights off. And I almost, not almost, I do do it like passive aggressively. Like, she'll turn lights off, and literally, I could be walking right behind her, and she'll turn it on, and I'll flip the switch off. And she sees it and knows it and doesn't say anything. She does not know how to load a dishwasher. And so, occasionally, I literally will go in and I go, I cannot touch the dishwasher when you have touched it. Like, if that's the way you're going to load it, then you're going to have to unload it. And I got so mad a couple days ago. I walked in, and there was stuff everywhere. And I looked, and the silverware, like, I, I don't know about you guys, I like to have it all sorted, you know what I mean? Like, big knives and little knives and big forks and little forks and big spoons and little spoons. And, and I, I looked at the dishwasher the way she'd loaded it, and I was so angry, I unloaded the entire silverware thing and just dumped it in the drawer, just to make a point. I couldn't, 
I didn't even let her discover that. I had to go back and fix it before she came in and then tell her how mad I was and what I was trying to do to her. And the whole time I'm thinking, why does she do this? Why can't she load a dishwasher right? Why can't she turn lights off? Why Really? That's crazy. But yet I want her to extend all kinds of grace and love and kindness to me. My standard of judging is so off, right? In little things and in big things too. We're going to see that later. What do we want? We want the grace. We want the benefit of the doubt. What do we do? We go through life just nitpicking at little things. We're going to see how to escape that. Verse 3 and 4 is where he begins this process. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? A couple of words we're going to focus on in this passage. First one is the word why. Why worry? Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? What a great question, Jesus. What he's saying is, what's motivating you? What's the motivation in you? When you, when, when you start to fire up inside, when you start to get angry, when you start to feel like it's, it's you are the one who's going to deliver the message to the server who's not doing things right, when you're the one who's going to tell your spouse, and you're, when you're the one who's going to shape all of the community to become who it needs to be, why do you feel that way? What causes you to kind of burn? and What makes you get so angry? Why? Have you ever stopped and considered why? What's the heart condition? What's going on inside of us in that moment? Some of us think it's the spiritual gift of judgmentalism. (laughs) Right. We think this is, but that's my gift. My gift is to go through the world and, and see and point out things that just aren't right. That is not a spiritual gift. That is not a gift to the world. That is not a gift to the body of believers. It's something that will eat you alive from the inside out. And it will make the world turn on you. And it creates a system of unhealthy judgment. What is it that makes us feel like we need to be so important to point out everything in everybody's lives? Why? The second word, how. I love that. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck when you can't see? Pass the log in your own. You can't even see. I mean, and this would have been funny to Jesus, right? Because you think about it. Think just for a moment. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody, turn to your neighbor. Find a neighbor. Turn to your neighbor real quick. Watch this. We're going to illustrate this. It's going to be very simple. Turn. I want to see you looking at your neighbor. Find a neighbor. Okay, now one of you, just put your hand in front of your eyes. The other one, just one of you. Okay, now the one with the hand covering your eyes I want you to pretend you have tweezers and I want you to take an eyelash out of your neighbor's eye. That seems a little dangerous, doesn't it? Like, who's excited about this process right now? Who's going, yes, this makes so much sense. It's horrible. And it's like, are we kidding ourselves? Jesus is going, forget why, even if your heart, like, How could you even do that if you wanted to? It's impossible. There's no such thing as a blind ophthalmologist or optometrist. There just isn't. That's crazy. You can't even see. 
We get this great story later on in Matthew in 18. Let me just read this for you. This is who we can become. This is our story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors would brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down. He begged. He said, please be patient with me. Please give me the benefit of the doubt. Please extend grace and mercy and kindness. Please, I'll pay it. His master was filled with pity. He released him, forgave the debt entirely. It's amazing. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat and demanded payment. His fellow servant fell down and begged, please forgive me, please extend grace. Please give me the benefit of the doubt. Be patient. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. We do this all the time. I do this all the time. Why do we do this? How? Oftentimes, it's our own brokenness. It's our own sin. It's our own failure that we see in somebody else. Maybe the same things God has even extended grace and forgiveness to us to. But for whatever reason, we don't remember that. We don't fully embrace that. We don't fully receive that. And so it makes us feel more righteous and more powerful and more okay with ourselves and our own brokenness if we can just hold the world accountable for the brokenness in their lives. Why? For me... I'm that guy, and I become that guy out of fear. For me, growing up, I'm uh, a wonderful, recovering, legalist Pharisee. And uh, so my life, spiritually, was always about hiding. I thought that I couldn't reveal my brokenness, my weakness. I thought that God, quite honestly, didn't even want to see it and deal with it. So I just tried to stuff it all away, put it in a closet, because that's sort of just the process by which I became okay with the world around me and with God. And even with Jesus, with my friends, with my family. All they want is the good stuff. And that's what I thought about God. I was afraid. And so I would hide. And out of that hiding and out of that fear, knowing who I was, I tried to point at other people. Because if I could just cut them down to where I was, maybe, oh, then I'm okay. Because if I compared myself to them and their systems, well, this is okay. I'm going to be okay if all, they, if all they can see is the good stuff in me. And it just, I didn't have honest relationships. I didn't have honest relationships with God. I didn't have honest relationships with my friends. I didn't have honest relationships with the church. I didn't have honest relationships with my family. And I was that guy. Everything that I had already been forgiven I actually didn't even run that through my life and process it. I didn't actually believe that I was forgiven and clean. How could that possibly be? It is amazing and staggering when you consider the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus extends to each one of us. And why can't we do that to the world around us? Why can't we do that to each other? Why couldn't I do that? 
How do we do it? We point fingers. We try and become controlling. We power up. We can just make ourselves more important. If I can overwhelm my wife with my intensity or my arguments, well, then somehow I'll get my way. And somehow that's supposed to be the most loving, kind, gracious way to live. And inside all of it is judgment and criticism and fear. And Jesus is saying, come out of hiding. Take the log out of your eye. It's already, everybody can see it, including Jesus. It's already been forgiven and dealt with. Just take it out. Take it out so you can see straight. So you can love the world. Verse 5 becomes pretty staggering because it just, he starts with hypocrite. And we know what this word was reserved for. It was reserved for people like me. It was reserved for the Pharisees. People who, um, that word literally means actors, hypocrite. You're acting. It's like you're in a play with a mask on. Who are you trying to play? You're trying to play God, essentially. You're trying to, to hide behind this cloak of external acts of righteousness and goodness when inside your heart is so dark and so full of fear and pride. And the world knows this word, right? They call us that all the time. And it's the way they see us. It's, and it's not that they don't know that they have specks in their eyes. They just don't believe that we see the logs in our own. And if we do see them, we don't address them. And so the world shouts us down with hypocrites. And Jesus doesn't stop. He gives us a couple things to consider. There's this great relationship where it says, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. First remove, then you can help others. It's about the posture of our hearts. He's saying get to a healthy place of self-awareness. Just stop. The next time you want to power up at somebody, the next time you get angry, the next time you feel led to go help shape somebody's journey and say, I have to make this right. The next time somebody's trying to get around you where the road goes from two lanes to one. You know what I'm saying. The next time, you don't have to be the one to teach everybody the lessons in life. Stop. Why do you feel the need to do that? Just become self-aware. Try and understand, what is it in me that makes me feel like it's my job to shape the world around me? It's not your job. It's not your job to judge, to criticize. What is it in you? First, understand what's happening. Is it fear? Is it jealousy? Is it pride? Are you hiding? What is it? When somebody gets that promotion at work that you thought you deserved, somebody gets the job that you really wanted and needed, and somebody has your dream house, or your dream car. Somebody has the clothes you want to wear or can't wear. When those feelings start to churn in you, just go, why? Where are those coming from? What's at the core? Understand the logs in our lives. Then, help your neighbor. And only then. Some translations say, then, perhaps. 
It's not even an always kind of relationship. We get some great perspective from God's word on how to deal with these relationships in one another, how to remove specks, and how to do speck surgery. One of my favorites is in Galatians. Just the first three verses of chapter 6. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I love that it says gently, humbly, carefully. Help them back onto the right path. Don't judge them back to the right path. Don't criticize them back to the right path. Don't hurt them or hit them back to the right path. Gently, humbly, carefully, guide them back onto the right path. Share each other's burdens here. Literally, he's talking about the burden of sin in people's lives. It's not the burden of hardship. It's not the burden of just the normal things we go through in a broken world. He's literally talking about the burden of sin. We need to engage the sin in each other's lives. Not with judgment and criticism, but with humility and gently. Link arms with people and help them back onto the right path. This relationship, you can see, it would be rooted in trust. You'd have to have a trust relationship with these people. If somebody's going to take tweezers and get an eyelash out of your eye or remove a speck, what does that require? It requires you've got to be close. You've got to trust them. If they're moving to one of the most delicate places of your life, you've got to know that they're not moving in to stab you in the eye to say, I can't believe you got this in your eyeball. Where did you go to get this? How did this happen? You know better than this. Gently, you get close. And you've got trust and you say, I'm so sorry this happened. This must really hurt. Let's get this out. Gently, humbly, help back to the right path. Bear the burden of sin with each other. The second thing to consider we see in verse 6. And this is where it seems like Jesus does what he always does. He just takes a right turn and goes sideways. He says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Don't give what's holy to unholy people. Don't give pearls, something of incredible value, to pigs. And what he's saying is there are times, there are times, when there are people who just don't want and can't listen and or receive what you have to offer them in terms of the kingdom. Even if you first remove the log in your own eye, even if you approach it humbly and gently with the best intentions of redeeming and restoring, there are times when people cannot and will not hear. They have no understanding or comprehension. 
And he's saying, you can't judge a pig for not appreciating a pearl. Like he just, they wouldn't get it. Like it's just like, I don't. So it's not like, well, gee, they don't want to receive this. They are crazy. It's not a license to go and proclaim any sort of judgment or criticism. It's just, guys, you've got to understand as you're working through the world, there will be people that never can listen or understand or comprehend what you have to offer. It would be viewed as wasteful. And even worse yet, they will turn and attack you. Why would they do that? Because they see you as criticizing and judgmental and arrogant and prideful for even suggesting to them a different type of behavior, a different type of lifestyle, a different way to live. They have to come to a place of removing the log in their own eye before they're willing to even see the speck. It's about building relationship with people before you proclaim truth. We just talked about what does it look like to do speck surgery? It's a deal. It's a big deal. And so often I feel like we want to go through life. And I know for me, I used to look at people of other faiths, people with huge addictions in their life, People that had lifestyles I didn't agree with, that would live with each other. People that were gay, lesbians. And I would be judgmental and condemning. And it's like, ah. And I thought the formula would be, well, they just need to know. They need to know that they're wrong. They need to know that these behaviors are so far out of line with God's word. And I should tell them. Because somehow that is what's going to convince them. They know, everybody knows they have specks in their life. That is not the way to build a bridge and to build relationship. Jesus never went into places just proclaiming truth. He went in building relationship. He ate. He had meals with. He sat down with. He engaged people. And then what did he do? He asked questions which would mean that you'd have to listen to people's answers. You'd have to understand who they are. You'd have to know where they came from and to be where they're at. Jesus was a master at spec surgery. I'm coaching this baseball team right now for my boys who are like eight years old. I became an assistant coach at the first practice It was one of those things I didn't sign up for it because I knew I didn't have the time and I'm there and I'm just, hey, can you do these forms? Sure, so I'm helping out with forms. And next thing, hey, can you take a group out there? Sure, I'll do that. So the the end of the practice, the head coach is like, so this is me and this is there and this is Coach Kyle. And I'm like, great. So I just became an assistant coach. (laughs) But he didn't just introduce me as Coach Kyle. He said, you know, he said, this is Pastor Kyle. And, you know, he's over at Mariner's Church and I just went, oh, no. Because I see all these families all of a sudden going, ah, okay. I know what you're going to do. Right? What do you think is going to be the most valuable thing in my journey with these parents and with these kids? Do you think it's going to be to show up tomorrow at practice, even with this message, and start going, hey, let me tell you what I saw in God's word. It's amazing, you guys. We all have logs and specks in our eyes. Let me tell you about this. It's unbelievable. Hey, let me tell you, by the way, 
are you guys married? Because this is your son, and how'd that work? You know what I mean? Like, should we talk about that? Like, you know, you went to what concert? You got hammered where? Oh, wow. Wait, do you know? That's not good. There's one way. Or I could just love their kids. And I could love them. And I could build relationship over the next three months. And I could just engage them and engage their kids and extend kindness and love. And yeah, you know what else I could do? I could ask some questions. Hey, so how are you guys? How long have you been married? Oh, how's that working? If you ever need anything, you let me know. I could build relationship, ask some questions, start engaging them. It's not just about proclaiming truth. Because the truth is, we all have logs and specs. You see, none of us are just the ones with the log and none of us are just the ones with the specs. We all have both. The question is, are we willing to self-examine and listen and to learn? And extend the radical empathy to those around us that Jesus extended to each one of us. Remember, we started at this place of the way we view others often is the way we view ourselves, which really gets back to our core identity. Who are we? And that starts with who do you see yourself as? Who do you believe God sees you as? Child of his, loved, redeemed, reconciled, pure, holy, clean, forgiven? Or do you see yourself just as broken and destitute, a failure, weak, never going to amount to anything? Our identities can't be found in the evaluation systems that we operate in in the world. It has to be found in a relationship with Jesus. That is our core identity. Where are you finding your identity today? We're going to take just a minute to remember what that looks like. We're going to remember Jesus together. And we're going to remember a couple things about that. We're going to remember Jesus and how he dealt with others and how he dealt with us. How did Jesus deal with others, the world around him? We've talked about that. Everywhere he went, he would go, he would heal He would listen. He would ask questions. He would extend kindness and grace, forgiveness. And he would bring incredible wisdom and truth through lots of relationship and questions. How did he deal with us? We all sit here today broken, human beings that have done some hideous things in our life that we regret But how did Jesus deal with us? He forgave. He gave his life so that all that stuff would be wiped away, put to death, gone forever, so that God sees you perfect and clean and holy. Jesus on the cross, on the cross, says, Father, forgive them. No judgment, no criticism. Putting him to death, he says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Let's just take a moment. I want you to consider for a second, where do you need to confess? 
Where's an area where you've been critical or judgmental towards somebody or a group of people? Where do you need to forgive someone who's been judgmental to you, who screamed at you an identity which just isn't true? And what do you need to remember today? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. For more information about Mariners, visit www.marinerschurch.org.